Are you a mom launching kids into adulthood? If so, you need to know about my Empty Nest Mom Retreat. It is the gathering for moms who have at least one child over the age of 18 or who have launched them all and have a full empty nest. September 27th through the 29th are the dates, and Cedar Lake Retreat Center in Cedar Lake, Indiana is the place. You can fly into Chicago airports and drive to Cedar Lake in a little over an hour. Come join me. Best value registration is available through May 27th, and space is limited to just 100 moms, so don't delay. Check out jillsavage.org slash retreat to register today. I like to say our view of God dictates our relationship with God. And this is a really big heart point for me. We have to get back to the core of what we believe about God. Because if we believe God that He's putting us in the corner, that He's shaming us, that He's constantly viewing us through our sins and our mistakes, we'll continue to respond and react as though that's true. Meaning we won't go to God first thing. We won't tell Him how we feel. We won't go to Him about our problems. We won't care what He says about forgiveness. How we view God because we're made in His image, will directly impact how we view ourselves. Welcome to the No More Perfect Podcast, where we talk about the messy, less than perfect, but real stuff of life. My name's Jill Savage, and I'll be your host. I'm so glad you're here. Well, hello, friends, and welcome back to the No More Perfect Podcast. You know, if you've been hanging around here for any amount of time, you know that I am passionate about emotional health. As a thinker and a former avoider, I have learned the value of feelings and emotion. And being married to someone who is a full-on feeler, I have watched him learn to embrace his emotions, but not let his feelings call the shots in his life. And as coaches, Mark and I are always helping folks find that balance between feelings and faith. And that is why I'm excited about today's conversation. My guest is Jessica Hoddle. Jessica is passionate about helping us discover that when our soul is well, we can be well. She's the author of the new book, Face Off With Your Feelings, Break Up With the Lies from Your Past, and Embrace the Truth for Your Future. Welcome to the No More Perfect Podcast, Jessica. Thanks so much for having me, Jill. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. You know, this is uh, emotional health has been a journey that both my husband and I have very intentionally been on over the last 10 years. Um, We had a marriage crisis 10 years ago, and uh, so much came out of that of our need to learn how to be emotionally healthy. So one of the things that we've discovered is for most of us, we usually fall into two categories with emotion, and that is we either avoid emotion or we let our emotions lead us. <laughs> Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's why I get so passionate too 
because in the church, I've kind of seen it one or the one way or the other where, you know, the church, one side of the church will say, you know, feelings are bad. You shouldn't have feelings, you know, especially if they feel anger or sadness or, you know, any kind of shame or guilt. Um, you shouldn't have those feelings because you should have joy, peace, goodness, kindness, right? And then the other side is, well, you can just feel everything. It's okay to feel. And I land in the middle of wanting to bridge the gap because we need Jesus because he's Jehovah Rapha, right? The healer. So how do we actually go? You don't have to feel shame for what you feel. You can actually move through the pain, move through the processes of anger or jealousy or bitterness or whatever. So you can still feel it, but you can actually move through it so it doesn't get stuck with you. Mm, And how do we do that? Yeah. It's like, well, how long do we have? I think, you know, when, when we're, there's so many layers is what I've discovered, you know, when it comes to moving through feelings and embracing them. But one of the first chapters of my book is just creating space to heal. And this really looks like setting up the space. It looks like why we need the space and knowing the space that we need. And I think that those are super important because when I say space, people usually start to kind of freak out because they're like, I don't have time. I don't have this time <laughs> to slow down. Right. And when you say that, you're just basically saying that you do need time. You know, we live mm-hmm. in a busy culture where it's busy is the badge of honor. We're slowing down uh, means that you won't get, quote unquote, your results fast enough or or whatever it is throwing your way. I mean, we pick up magazines, you know, women in the store. It's like lose 10 pounds in 10 days. It's everything is so fast. So to mm-hmm. heal is slow and steady, not mm-hmm. far and fast, right? Like kind of like the world preaches us. And so. For me, I use this, I use the story of the paralytic man um, where, you know, his friends are bringing him down the roof and Jesus encounters him. And he asks him this question, and, and I'm paraphrasing of, you know, is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or to pick up your mat and walk? And for us to think about healing, it's easy for us to see the man picking up his mat and walk and go, yes, that's great. He's healed. We can see it. All of our senses are basically being proven in that moment, right? Of, Mm -hmm. yes, this is, this is who Jesus is. But then we go, okay, your sins are forgiven. I, that doesn't produce a physical result for me. That doesn't make me money. That doesn't give me the followers on Instagram or the, the wife or husband that I want or, or whatever it is. Right. And so we think that feeling is not worth the time. Does that make sense? Yes. Because we don't see the results. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. We are such an achievement oriented society. And yeah. yet, and yet we are experiencing the damage every day in the relationships that are the, that mean the most to us, right? We're experiencing the damage every day of not having emotional health. So, yeah. so here's this dichotomy. I want it. It doesn't feel like it's going to you know, produce anything really valuable in my life. And yet I've got these relationships that aren't functioning well. And so what we're doing is we're not connecting the dots between Mm -hmm. all of that. Yeah. Right. And a lot of the dots are pain points because memory is just not in our brain. 
memory is actually on a cellular level, right? It's, it's this idea that our body, um, I love the book, our body keeps the score, but our body is one of our greatest storytellers. So memories are not just in this, in our brain, it's, it's at a cellular level. So when we respond to a trigger externally or internally, our bodies respond, right? We get sweaty palms, we get a, a racing heart, we maybe have hyper or hypo arousal where we will tuck away right? And shut down, which is kind of what you said in the beginning, or we might come alive and get angry because that's how we respond to the, what's coming against our view in our, in our pain, so to speak. So it's kind of these layers that we continue to carry. And so without walking through forgiveness, you know, through the anger, through the bitterness, it only quantifies over time because just saying that it doesn't matter and to kind of put a faith bandaid on it is what I kind of say. You know, when somebody's going through a hard time, we like to go, well, God is good. He's in control. We say all these things, which there are truths, some truths to those, right? But that doesn't help that person actually process with the Lord through identity of healing of what he wants to take them through too. And so mm-hmm. I think it's important that even when bad things happen, because he doesn't cause bad things to happen, but when those things happen to walk and go through that process with him versus trying to just shove it down. Okay. I know God. Okay. I know God's good. Even though inside you're placing this tug of war within yourself of, I know I shouldn't feel this way, but God is also saying this. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. And you know, that, that has probably been the biggest part of my journey over the last 10 years, because as a uh, avoider, as a buck up person, um, that, you know, those were my quick answers. Those were my easy answers. Um, and, and what I began to realize is how much stress and how much, um, how much emotion I was carrying in my body, but I didn't even realize it. Mm -hmm. And so when I began to dig into that, uh, I began to experience some physical reliefs that I hadn't experienced in a long time. Yeah. That's so true. And I don't think we we realize how much our emotions actually impact us physically. A lot of the dis-ease in our body actually comes from anger or basically the some very core emotions like anger and bitterness um, and resentment and things like that. If when we hold on to those things, we carry them in our shoulders. You know, you think about that of does anybody have a tight shoulders or tight back, right? Or do you come home with headaches? We call them stress headaches. You know, our bodies are talking to us, but most of the time we have normalized them. And so we're like, okay, well, this is just part of life. And I think this this is the way I'm supposed to live. So I'm supposed to have a headache every day and tight shoulders and uh, all of those things. And I think that's important for us to be able to go, okay, what is it that I'm experiencing? How am I processing this in a healthy way? Yes. Yes. And we want our feelings to be indicators, but not dictators. Yes, absolutely. So one of the things you say is that there are five steps that help us process and manage emotions when they arise. Yeah. So, you know, I know we don't have a ton of time, but could we talk through those steps just a little bit so Mm -hmm. that at least people are aware of them and they have an idea of what that looks like to actually engage our emotions and to process them in a healthy way. 
Mm-hmm. I like to say these five steps happen pretty quickly once you start putting them into practice. And these these five steps are really for the present experience. Like if, if you go into a store or you hear somebody say something or you read a comment or or whatever it is, you'll start to be like, okay, something's not right. And that's when we can start the process. So the first thing is just acknowledgement. Most okay. of us are going so fast throughout our day. I mean, let's think about this. We pick up our phone at a red light. You know, we pick up our phone during a commercial, we are glued to our phones. And so there's never really a moment where we don't have just silence. So for us to be able to acknowledge, you know what, I think that that triggered me, that made me feel upset, that made me feel sad, that made me feel angry, whatever it was for us to be able to acknowledge that gives us the actual process to begin to work through that. I like to say that our brain works kind of our brain and our body kind of work like a Rolodex where, you know, a Rolodex, um, you know, has a little knob. Well, most of them do. And on the papers that come in the Rolodex, we'll have like name, address, details about the person. And our body works very much the same where it has a memory and then it will have like the date, you know, so to speak, but it will have everything correlating to that memory. And so our body, whenever we're triggered again, we'll go, oh, okay, goes to the Rolodex. This is the card it picks. And then it responds at a cellular level, um, you know, in our organs and in our tissues and throughout our body. So I kind of just like say, let's just first acknowledge the emotion. The -hmm. second thing is we want to identify it. And what I've learned about identifying is that it gets, it puts a name to what you're experiencing. And if there's somebody um, that has a hard time expressing their emotions, there's actually an emotion wheel that you can buy Mm -hmm. where it will tell you, like, you know, basically where you'll be able to point and go, I feel hostile right now, you know, or I feel sad or I feel grief or, or whatever it is where you can point. Because when we are able to name it, we're no longer guessing. We're no longer, longer like, I just, I don't know what I feel. It's whatever. We're mm-hmm. actually able to say, nope, I know. And now I can go to his word. What does he say about this? What does he say about anger? Anger does not produce the righteousness of God. What does he say about hatred? Well, hatred is the works of the flesh, right? So if I know those truths, I can begin to go, but why? Why then do I experience that? And then the third step is acceptance. Now, when I say this, I always like to make sure I'm clear is I don't say that you're accepting this as a part of your identity. You know, whatever's happening to you is not your identity. Our identity is solid in Christ. But what I am saying is that, If you feel angry, you're not an angry person. If you feel sad, you're not a sad person. Yeah. And I think that that is important because when we start to have anger or we feel like we're kind of short fused all the time, we go, well, I'm just an angry person. Well, it's no, you know, that's not the truth. Mm -hmm. A lot of times it's a defense mechanism, something we're hiding deeper that's going on. So I think just accepting it right now, Something's not right. I'm acknowledging it. I'm identifying it. And I'm also accepting it without trying to put a faith bandaid on it, right? We're not trying to hide it. We're not trying to cover it up. And so number four, then you can just go right into, well, what is this emotion trying to tell me? So did this person, you know, trigger something from my childhood? Is this emotion trying to tell me that I'm not good enough? Which also then goes back to, well, maybe as a child or my husband or whatever it was, that person that kept saying these things to me. That is, I think step number four is such a critical piece because that's really a piece where you get to begin to process with the Lord. Um, Maybe not in that moment, but 
at a, in detail, but definitely later at a time. Yes. And the fifth thing is just having a conversation with God at that point. Here's what I feel. What is the truth to what I feel? Because our, our identity should be flowing into our feelings. And when that happens, our feelings then get put into submission. And I like to call it like a, a railroad switch. So when we bring God's word into it, it basically turns the lever on that railroad switch so that we can no longer go the same route that we used to that, that we used to go on. And now we're switching routes in our thought processes. I love that. Sometimes what we do is we identify it as a why in the road. Yeah. That you're used to going a certain direction and that part of the why has ruts in it, but then there's um another direction we can go and that's the direction of truth. So I love that, but I love the the railroad switcher because mm-hmm. you literally are making that switch and you're heading in a in a different direction. That's a very powerful picture. Mm-hmm. I always say sometimes your lever is probably going to be rusty, right? Because a lot of people are like, it's so hard to change. I'm like, well, your lever is just rusty. <laughs> you know, it's yes. going to take, it's going to take a little bit to get that, you know, when something's rusty, it typically takes a hard time or sometimes it just breaks because it's so rusty and you just need to get a new lever. But yeah. the reality is, is that it will take time to continually pull that lever. I mean, I'm sure you can say the same. You're always pulling the lever, right, Jill? Like I'm right. always pulling the lever. Right. This is not like a, oh, this is going to, you know, solve all your problems here on earth. But as a human, we still get to put our feelings into submission because God wouldn't be a just God if he didn't give us the choice also with, with our thoughts and our uh, feelings. Yes. Yes. Now, one of the things that you say is uh, that you say that all of our feelings should point to Jesus. What Mm -hmm. do you mean by that? Yeah. This is where the bridging the gap comes in because it's, Yes, my, my, I have feelings, but I don't need to be shunned for them. And I can also not just sit in my feelings, but our, our feelings should point us to Jesus because he's the one that can ultimately heal us. So whenever I'm feeling angry, Mm -hmm. instead of lashing out or, you know, saying things I shouldn't be saying, I should be pointing to Jesus. Like whatever I'm feeling should lead me to really the heart of and nature of who God is. Yes. That's what I'm saying when I say it's okay to be angry and sad as long as you're taking it to the person that created you. <laughs> the and most. who because- understands those, who experienced them, many of those emotions when he lived on this earth. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't have a God that doesn't understand, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, mm-hmm. gets, and it- he gets it. Yeah. I mean, I think it's in Hebrews where he actually talks about how he understands where we come from. And that's why he says that you have the um, the boldness and the confidence to come through the throne room of grace. And yes. I love that because our I like to say our view of God dictates our relationship with God. And this is a really big pain point, not pain point, like heart point for me is we have to get back to the core of what we believe about God. Because if we believe God that he's putting us in the corner, that he's shaming us, that he's constantly viewing us through our sins and our mistakes, we'll continue to respond and react as though that's true. Meaning we won't go to God first thing. We won't tell him how we feel. We won't go to him about our problems. We won't care what he says about forgiveness. Do you know what I'm saying? It's how we view God because we're made in his image will directly impact how we view ourselves. Yes. Yes. And so, boy, we have to, so we have to examine our thinking 
about God? What do we think about God? Because mm-hmm. what we think about him is going to make a difference as to whether we feel comfortable coming to him and bringing our emotions to him. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's one of the chapters I write in the book where I talk about how God's a safe place to land and the comfort we can have in his consistency and his faithfulness because he's a God that never changes. That's why we can trust him. Yes. Yes, absolutely. You know, Mark and I often say that avoiders are like emotionally constipated and uh, feelers are like emo- have emotional diarrhea. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think that's a good one. Good way to put it. Uh, so uh, let's talk for a moment to those that are emotionally constipated. All right. Uh, those yeah. uh, because those that are emotionally constipated tend to be the ones that when things get difficult or when the emotion wants to creep up, we get busy. Right. So how do we create space to heal the tender places of our soul? So how do we actually uh, stop that busyness? Are there just even some small tweaks in our thinking, some small tweaks in our uh, routines that could help us to kind of create some of that space that's needed to process emotion? I think one of the one of the big things that keeps coming to me with that question is I sometimes think that those that are emotionally constipated have never felt safe to share their feelings because when they do, they get manipulated, used, or told that they don't matter mm. over the course or of their life. Did. Yeah. Like it may, they yeah. may not this relationship, like yep. say yes. in their marriage, but they did in their childhood. Yes. And uh-huh. so what happens is they go, you know, even in my childhood where I saw my parents constantly fighting and um, in this abusive relationship, I avoided conflict like it was the plague and conflict healthy or not. Meaning if I had to break up with a boyfriend, I would stay with them for two years longer than I needed to because I didn't want to deal with the breakup. Mm. And so for me, it was, I saw the consequence of when somebody communicates, right? I saw the fighting. I saw the bickering. I saw what happens when people have conversation. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of us will carry that through our adulthood, through different friendships, relationships, family relationships. It doesn't have to just be a, you know, intimate um, relationship. But I think for the ones that are constipated, they may not have felt safe where they can just be honest. They can just, you know, tell them, tell people how they feel. And this is again, where that, that faith bandaid comes in is even when they confide in believers, the believers don't really process through it with them. They want to go, it's okay. You'll be okay. There's more fish in the sea. Just get over it. That person no longer feels safe going to that person because they know that they're not going to actually help them through it. They're just going to try to say, it just get basically get over it. And that doesn't saying get over it doesn't help somebody get over it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how do we help somebody who needs us to help them process or who is processing an emotion? What do we do to not shut each other down? Yeah, I think it's actually in the body keeps the score where he opens up a lot of his chapters where he was working, you know, on the psych psych ward uh, level. And he would talk about how through the night he would go on his rounds and sit with people that were in these words and, and just listen to their story. 
Listen mm-hmm. to how they were raped. Listen to how, you know, they um, experienced this abuse. And the patients would always look at them and say, and look at him and say, thank you for listening to my story. Mm-hmm. And I think that's our starting point. You don't need to give your opinion about somebody else's story. Especially, yeah. let me say this, especially if you don't have permission, if you just meet somebody, even if you're at church and this person comes to you for the first time, but they've been in church for five years at your church, you still do not have permission to speak all these things that they need to change about their life. Mm. But we want to fix it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but <laughs> this is a, this is a hard truth. You are not the fixer. Jesus is. Yes. You're not their Holy Spirit. And we can only guide them to truth. We can love them to truth. But it's very rare that people are criticized to truth. Mm, whoa. Okay. Say that again. Say that again. <laughs> if I, do I remember it right? People <laughs> are loved into truth. They are cared into truth. They're heard into truth, but they're not criticized into truth. Man, that is powerful. Yes. And we need that. We need that in our marriages. We need that as parents. We need that um, when we're parenting adult kids. We need that in our relationships in small groups. We need that in our relationship with extended family. We really need to internalize that because I think we try really hard oftentimes, especially when things are hard, to criticize into truth. Yeah. And and I'm the type of person that's that can be kind of pushy sometimes. Like me personally, I'm like, I just I want you to work through this. Tell me what you're feeling. And the ones that are reserved need space to be able to trust me first mm-hmm. to say. Uh so I'm definitely somebody that has to like reel myself in. So I'm not here to say that I'm perfect by any means because I know what it's like to have your feelings manipulated or held against you, even in church. Like I have church hurt with that, you know, of, you know, how long have you been a believer? And, you know, basically indicating my identity and worth into that and my maturity. And there's been a lot of things that have been said. And so I get that. But that's why we get to create that space for other people of I'm hearing your story. I'm listening. This is your experience. Okay. Do I have permission? Let's do this. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Or another response can just simply be, thank you for sharing your story with me. Yep. Thank mm-hmm. you for trusting me with your story. Yeah. And that, those are both appropriate responses. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you say that healing allows us to show up as God made us and not a manufactured version of ourselves. What do you mm-hmm. mean by that? Yeah. So I use this analogy when you think of a strawberry to strawberry jam. So strawberry jam has preservatives. It has salt, maybe some sugar, whatever else may be added in there. But we think of a strawberry. It's just a strawberry. It comes off the vine, which I think it comes off of a vine. (laughs) Um, (laughs) A vine, we'll say. Uh, Sorry for all you farmers and people out there. But And then you have strawberry jam. But when we think of our original intended design, which is in Jesus, and that's what scripture says, is the strawberry. But our manufactured us is the world's version of us. It's the pain, salt. It's the wounds. It's the sugar. It's people's opinion. It's the preservatives, right? We become like strawberry jam because we are now filled with whatever the world says about us our pain, our stories that are not metabolized properly. So we're the strawberry. That's our original intended design, but then we get manufactured by the world. 
And so when we get serious about emotional healing, then what we're doing is we're reconnecting with the strawberry. Pretty much. Yep. And it all goes back to, I mean, everything usually points back to identity. Where Mm -hmm. is your identity? Where Mm -hmm. are you putting it? Are you a people pleaser? You know, do you carry the guilt of not making homemade cookies when you feel like you should because Susie's mom does? You know, we carry all of these things with us and it really goes back to identity of who we're trying to please. Who is our, who's our focus? What is our focus? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and really what it points to. Yeah. Jessica, how did you get started in this work? I mean, most of the time when people get started in work, it comes out of their own story. So yeah. how did you get started? Woo. So, you know, I told a little bit about my childhood and I think that is a really big stepping stone, but I didn't know that until years later. Mm-hmm. You know, I started my first business at the age of 22. I moved out into my first house at 22 and I, and I received the Lord in that same year. And it was about three or four years after that, my spiritual father came into my life and he was actually a a teacher at the time for me and a mastermind that I was in for business. And he just became my spiritual father. And he started leading me like, this is what scripture says about relationships. This is business, you know, like, really just this holy and good kind and good and kind kind of way. And I started to recognize how much anger I had about my childhood, how negative and pessimistic I was in life, how I thought the world owed me all this stuff because of all the pain I experienced. Mm -hmm. And then I met Jesus. I really met Jesus in those pages, right? Because we can meet Jesus and we can accept him as our Lord and Savior. But are we a disciple or a convert? You know, it's it's a very two different things. Wow. So I really yeah. met Jesus in those pages. And then I started reading, well, forgive and you shall be forgiven. You know, go to your brother um, and talk with him and don't even leave your money on the altar. Go back to your brother. Like, you're going to tell me I need to forgive these people. You're going to tell me to have compassion. You're going to tell me to have empathy. And those are some of my, I feel like greatest strengths now because of the story. I've been able to look at my past with empathy, with compassion, look at my parents through a different lens. Um, So I guess there's this kind of ball of when it started, but really when I began this healing journey in understanding a little bit of the mind and how the body operates on such a preschool level, by the way, but how much it integrates with scripture of Mm -hmm. what he really calls us to do. And I think three years ago was when it really changed of when I realized like God wants me well, he doesn't want to just manage my pain. He wants to take my pain. And I think that was huge for me. Yes. That is uh, what he desires for all of us. But boy, sometimes it, I mean, you're relatively young and for you to learn that um, and, you know, a younger stage of life, um, my husband and I, you know, probably both learned that in our forties and our fifties, we um, coach marriage marriages and we host marriage intensives and we have people in their sixties and seventies that come and I love that. They've they've never heard of this kind of stuff. They've never heard of emotional healing. And we start digging into their childhood yeah. and in their 60s and their 70s. And we start digging in there and they go, oh my gosh, I've never connected the dots to this. Yeah. 
It's so powerful. And it's not to, it's not to blame. Yep. It's to understand. Yeah, I agree. It's just to understand that this is the dynamics that have formed um, my thinking. These are the dynamics that have formed um, what I believe and um, how I filter truth. Um, you know, and so to understand all of that and then to begin to find that railroad switch and to switch it um, and to inform it with yeah. God's truth uh, produces not only healing in our life personally, but if we make healing changes personally, our relationships are affected as well. Yeah, aren't they? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, and, and here's the thing too, that I've learned about even physical is when your physical body is in disease, it affects your emotional health and your emotional health affects your body. So it all works together. And when you begin to not carry as much anger, resentment, or, you know, I keep using those same ones, but whatever it is, jealousy, whatever it is for you, yeah. grief, um, as you process through things, you know, you will begin to change the way you look at the person that's in front of you because you're no longer judging them into change. You're no longer wishing that they were somebody else, which is what we do a lot. Um, you know, a lot of women look at the potential in a relationship versus the person that's in front of them. Mm -hmm. And when we can actually look at somebody as they are without trying to change them and bring out the goodness in them, yes. then we're just being a witness to them in our faith as well. Yes. Yes. Okay. You said something there and you've said it now two or three times. Uh, you pronounce the word disease, dis-ease. Yeah. Talk about I that. Do. I do. I'm I, sure I like that that's intentional. So talk about yeah, that. Yeah. I like, because I think disease it's, I mean, disease is a big word, but I like to say dis-ease because we have dis-ease in our body through our emotions, through what we're carrying, again, shoulders, uh, constipation, real constipation, digestive problems, uh, fatigue, adrenal fatigue, because adrenals release cortisol, which pairs with the epinephrine, which is adrenaline, right? Which comes from thyroid glands, which overproduces because of stress. And we can't ignore what stress does on our body. So I say dis-ease because we create dis-ease in our bodies simply even through imaginations. You know, we think of scripture where it says you can pull down the imaginations, the strongholds, you know, through the word of God, through the, yes. the power of Jesus. And I think there's a reason, of course, why he put imaginations because we imaginate when we go to the bathroom. Right. Like if we don't have our phones and we're in the shower, and we're going to the bathroom. It's like we can imagine all kinds of things. And I think it's important because even when we're imagining, our body responds as though it's really happening. Mm. And that's where dis-ease can come from. You know, if you didn't get a text from your husband and he usually texts you by now, you could easily go into, what if he's in a car accident? And then all of a sudden your heart will start to respond. And then uh -huh. you'll, you might start to get anxious because you mm -hmm. are thinking that he's yes. in an accident when he's probably just stuck, caught in traffic. Yes. Yes. Well, you know, uh, eight years ago, I had uh, breast cancer and that really um, was a turning point for me in managing my stress mm -hmm. and a turning point in me in uh, just recognizing that uh, that 
you know, the things that were, that often happen in our life and our emotional responses. Um, I mean, who knows why, uh, that cancer, you know, was in my body. Uh, there's lots of reasons, uh, that could be out there, but I also couldn't ignore that there were some things that I could do about, um, moving forward and managing my stress was a part of that, um, that I needed to be intentional about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I appreciate the honesty because I think that that's true. I mean, there are certain things that we can't control, right? And we know that, but reactions, emotions, stress, things like that are things we can manage. Yeah, we really can. So uh, Jessica, you are a faith-based fitness coach. So um, before we go, let's talk just a little bit about fitness and emotions. I mean, we're kind of Mm -hmm. teetering right there by that, but how are they connected? Uh, Because I I believe they're connected. Um, You know, certainly I have seen that in, um, in my life. So let's talk about that. Yeah. I mean, I think so many women, I mean, for myself included, I thought I could fix an ex. I thought I could fix my internal problem with an external solution. Meaning ah. if I changed my workouts, if I was quote unquote consistent, if I had all the motivation, if I stick to my diet, if I, whatever, right. All the lies, the diet culture fills you. If I stopped eating carbs, if I had more fats, then I would feel better about myself. And then you get to that point, you stop eating the carbs you eat the fats, you do the workouts, you're consistent, you get to your goal weight, but then what? Mm-hmm. And a lot of women will tell me, I look in the mirror and I still see the same, they use the word fat, you know, or overweight person. And to me, that says that it wasn't about the workouts. It wasn't about the food. And that's why our emotional health impacts every single area of our life. In the book, I walk you through this process that the Lord gave me because uh, in the gospels, uh, Jesus talks about how every tree, you, you'll know every tree by its fruit. Yes. And for me, I, the Lord just gave me this image of the tree and our roots are in the ground first, but our roots consist of God's word. It consists of memories. It consists of trauma. And those roots are going to build the tree, which the tree trunk is our thoughts then. And then the branches of the tree become our emotions. Okay. And the little, I don't know what they're called again, please forgive me, but the sub branches, so to speak, mm-hmm. are the areas of our life affected by mm-hmm. the emotions. So the tree works together from the roots through the trunk, through the, you know, the main branches through the sub branches. Yes. And so our life is connected like the tree, but we will also, we will always know our fruit by the root. Whatever our root is, is the fruit we will produce. Mm. Wow. Can you give an example of that? So if one of our roots is that your mom put you on a diet when you were younger. Okay. Your your thoughts will be, I'm not good enough unless if I'm on a diet or the only way to lose weight is if I'm on a diet. Your emotion will then continue to be this well, I guess you're feeling at that point, your emotion might be sadness, but your feeling would be, I'm not good enough, which then affects every area of your life. Whether again, showing up, I'll just never be able to make it happen. I've tried everything and nothing seems to work, right? I get that one all the time. I've tried yeah. everything and nothing seems to work, but it's again, that one root from childhood 
that one comment, that memory forms mm-hmm. our thoughts, which affects our emotions and then goes right into any other area of our life. So even though your mom was talking about your weight with that, you know, diet, it's going to affect how you show up with your husband, how you wear shorts in the summer. Do you wear a bathing suit? It's going to like how you eat at a restaurant with your friends. Do you eat at parties? Do you, you know, starve yourself and then go to a party and binge? Like it affects our everyday life. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. Yes, I can see that. And again, connecting the dots back, connecting the dots back to the messages that sometimes they were spoken. Sometimes they were unspoken. Yeah. And and sometimes it was in childhood. Sometimes it might've been in your last job. Yeah. It could have been in a previous relationship. But yeah. if we don't connect those dots back, we don't realize the roots that are affecting our thinking. Mm-hmm. That's, that is, uh, I love that picture. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I just want to encourage our listeners to check out Face Off with Your Feelings, your book. And um, you also are a podcast host. Yes. So uh, share about your podcast. What what, yeah. what do you do on your podcast? Well, the podcast title is called What's the Truth? And I cross out the the and put in God's truth. But really, we just address lies that people believe or, you know, we really go into the conversation of truth. Like, what is the truth about the situation? Um, You know, and we just kind of tackle some hard conversations around feelings and life and uh, body image are some of the main topics that we talk about on the podcast. I love that. So where is the best place for people to find you and to connect with you online? Yeah, you can just go get the book at jessicahoddle.com. And I'm also on Instagram at jessicahoddle too. Okay, sounds good. Jessica, would you be willing to pray and uh, just pray for our listeners and us, you know, specific to their thinking and the feelings and the emotions and all that we've been talking about? Yeah, of course. Dear Holy Father, thank you so much for this conversation with Jill. Father, I just pray for her listeners. You know their hearts, you know their intentions, and you know the things that they're struggling with right now, Father. You, throughout your scripture, you say that even though we are not known in this world, we are known by you, and that's all that matters right now. So every single listener, um, I just want to encourage in the name of Jesus that you are seen, that you are heard and that you are cared for. Even if the people around you might not see it, even if the people around you, um, you don't experience that from, but there's a father in heaven who cares for you, who sees you and adores you because he created you and he loved you before his son even came. He wanted that reconciliation with you from the beginning, right after Adam. And there is no doubt in his mind that he loves you so much and And so, Father, I just thank you for their hearts. I thank you for their tenderness. I pray that they have ears to to hear and eyes to see and that their eyes are opened. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for joining me today on the No More Perfect Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe and follow so that you don't miss any future conversations. We also want you to know that we have three free eBooks for you. You can find them at jillsavage.org slash free. You can also find the show notes and links to anything we talked about over at jillsavage.org slash podcast. See you next week for another not perfect, but very important conversation about the real stuff of life.